Hi, everyone. This is Zila Costa-Grimes, co-host of your favorite podcast, Opinions My Own, with Paul Caulfield. Um, we are here to introduce... Oh, if you hear a little somebody, this is my new son, Tomasito. <laughs> he is two weeks old today at this point. Um, Paul has had the pleasure of meeting him, but he is officially two weeks old. Um, and so you are hearing him in his first, you know, little sounds of life. Um, but speaking of, you know, children being a woman <laughs> in this legal field, being a woman trying to continue to work despite having, you know, given birth a few short weeks ago, we are introducing uh, a second follow-up episode with Amanda Wick. She is amazing. Um, we had an amazing conversation with her. She's, as you know, the chief of legal affairs analysis, and she actually had a great conversation with us about her transition from government to the private sector, her experience as a woman, um, her experiences with diversity and just kind of um, in this not only legal field, but also in technology. Um, we had a great conversation at the tail end of our conversation about blockchain and cryptocurrency that we thought stood alone and and really touched on a lot of great topics that we think are important to share. I don't know, Paul, if you had anything else you thought was worth highlighting before we let our listeners into the conversation. No, I you, you said it when we when we listened uh, after the recording and we when we got to that section, it just popped and it jumped off the page as something that we wanted to carve out uh, for you, the listener. So uh, I'm Paul Caulfield. This is Opinions My Own. We very much appreciate your continued support. As you know, this is run with great support from Fordham Law School's program on corporate uh, ethics and compliance. We thank them. We thank, thank uh, Ava Lichter, our production assistant. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitter at opine underscore mine. We are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. There is a uh, AV uh, recording of this on YouTube. So we very much hope that you appreciate as much as we've appreciated Amanda and her time and her very, very uh, stark uh, opinions on how she went from government into the private sector. And here's that, here's that 16 minute bit. Pivoting a little bit to talk more about your career and kind of your experience and what it's been like. I I've, my experience in kind of this AML compliance space has been that there are actually a lot more women in compliance than you might think. But in terms of startups and technology, that has not necessarily been the case. I've, my experience has been that it's, there's very few women in that space and kind of that expertise and willing to kind of talk on these subjects or let alone be a subject matter expertise like you. Is that what your experience has been? You know, it was interesting because I thought about that earlier when you asked me, like, what's the transition from government to private mm -hmm. sector been? And I was talking with a friend about that the other day because there, there is a little bit of, I want to say, uh, what is it, like, like an egg in a cushion a little bit when you're in the, in the government where you kind of take for granted the like incredibly strict rules and regulations and, and kind of like equal treatment, equal protection, right? And like, and I will say also, I didn't appreciate this, being a federal prosecutor puts you in a position where the power dynamic is different. So if I come into a room, the male defense attorney with a male investigator, whatever the situation is, 
the nature of my role was such that whether they wanted to treat me equally or not, they almost didn't have a choice. Right, you can be I, Right, as the authority figure, it'd be pretty stupid to lead with discrimination, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember when I was younger, um, I, I had to, I, I cut my hair. I, I did all these things to look older and look more legitimate because when I was like a 30-year-old prosecutor, I, I, I looked not 30. And a defense attorney like came, like came up to me and I, I, my agent looked even younger. He had this like very boyish face. And we were standing in the hall and he walked up to us and I think he thought we were interns. And he was like, do you guys know uh, 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 an AUSA, a WIC and uh, so-and-so? Like I'm supposed to be meeting him here for a proffer and I think they're running late. And I was like, three minutes late, we're not that late. And he was like, oh, it's you two. And I was like, you're starting off with a bang, <laughs> just a bang, keep talking, right? Because it's like, but as soon as they know you're the prosecutor, the entire dynamic changes. What I have, what I've appreciated, what I've seen in the private sector is it's very different. And I feel bad in a way for, for the, you don't know it's a problem until you get out into the private sector, especially the issues for women in tech. And as I talk to women at companies, as I talk to women in tech companies, the culture is completely different. The dynamic is completely changed. There are so few women in venture capital. There's so few women who are company founders, who are CEOs, who, who are C-suite level executives. That power dynamic is gone. And so you just see all of gender inequality just laying out in all its glory. And you feel like somebody ripped off rose colored glasses and you're like, oh, it's like when you drive to the other side of town and somebody's like, this is the world that you didn't know existed. What are you going to do about it? And since getting the Chainalysis, I've been doing this Women in Crypto series. Um, you know, we, we, we have a Women at Chainalysis group. It's, it's funny because on one hand, you know, we joke that, well, aren't you now just excluding men? And we're very open and we have like fantastic male allies and we always welcome men. But I'm always like, you know, when it's equal, we'll worry about excluding the men. I'm not going to lie. It's not my biggest concern right now. But it has been a bit of a culture shock coming into tech and just seeing, oh, you no longer will automatically be treated equally. And you are going to have to learn about the ramifications of gender discrimination. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, too, um, there's something different about reading an article about, oh, there's a disparity in tech and, oh, there aren't enough women and, oh, technology companies need to do X, Y, Z to attract women and people of color and all, you know, all, all of the isms and then actually experiencing it and being there. Um, I had the same issue when um, people would talk about big law and like, you're like, no, women don't stick around. Everyone leaves. I was like, well, that's not true. Now I'm a seventh year and there's no one left. And so you, you wonder, you're like, oh, wow, now I'm experiencing it. I see what they mean. No one does kind of stick around. People do leave. And it is hard. It is hard to kind of maintain that pipeline. It, it really is. And the, and the other thing, as I was leaving government about a, about a year or two before I left, I got very into martial arts. Um, I had a lot of rage and somebody suggested that I go and I, and I started taking Krav Maga here in DC and got really into Krav Maga and Jiu Jitsu. And there is something very, now that I'm in the private sector, I, I have, it's funny because like, it always feels like a fight. 
gender equality feels like a battle. And I didn't appreciate that in the government, that it was a fight that needed to be fought. And I have grown significantly more militant about it um, to, the, to the point where I'm kind of like, I never thought I'd be that person. But it's one of those things where it, you get out and you see it and it's like, well, if you're not gonna be a voice if you're not going to be a voice trying to stop it, like what, what are we doing? Like, what's the, how are we going to solve this? And you kind of feel like, well, now that I'm in it right now, if you're on the other side of town and you kind of see what's happening, it's like, well, what's your solution to fix things? Because if your answer is just to go back to the other side of town, that's not me. That's not my personality. And so um, that's, it's been something that as I kind of look around, I, I, and I, and I've met some amazing women and we're doing some amazing things. Um, and there's, there's really good like activities happening in this space, but I have to say, like my my hope is is as you read articles about you know crypto and its and its opportunity to kind of like you know increase access to funds, anything that helps kind of women take more, you know uh, I don't want to say power, but like a more active role, a, a stronger role, like a more leadership role in finance and in everything, like. You know, I think I think it, I was talking with Senator Lummis on, on one of our Women in Crypto series, and she said the interesting thing about crypto is that you don't have the history of kind of like finance bros that you do where there's an opportunity for women here. It's like the undiscovered country, right? Or some people call it the Wild West. And it's like, well, guess what? If a woman was a gunslinger, she'd do okay, right? Like, so we kind of have to have that discussion. Is there a room here for kind of women where there, it didn't exist to take a bigger role to, 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 to lead and kind of do their own things. And I see women starting their own companies and doing their own things. The answer to discrimination is, well, then I'll just go my own way. What I, what I saw, I was at city um, for a number of years and what I city was v Jane Frazier. She was the CEO over the commercial bank when I was the, one of the chief compliance officers there. And they, they, they make a point and that's, that's what encourages me about you know where I see the trends going. A, a buddy um, has a company, Cybercrime Magazine and Cybersecurity Ventures. He publishes for the very point of women know cyber, and it's an ongoing list. And he highlights them, and he and he and he makes sure that they get a spotlight. And you know, I have a I have a daughter who's in information security, and you know, she's as 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 she and the, and the younger professionals look to break into whether it's cyber or IT or the or kind of the blend that you're in what advice would you give I I think the biggest thing that I would say is to find male allies who will sponsor you and I know people hate when people say the solution to women getting ahead is men but I will say like I have had some incredible sponsors that is different than a mentor they have also been mentors but they have been people who went, males who went out of their way to not just talk with me about career advice, not just, you know, suggest what I should do, but to put me forward for things or to say, this is, this is who we should put on the job. This is who you should consider. And finding those people and building those relationships, it's not always the easiest thing for women to do because it's an ask. You, it, you basically have to go and kind of build a relationship and say, and, and you have to have this awkward conversation of, you're a great mentor, but we need to take our relationship to the next stage. And I need you to be a sponsor, right? And it's like not AA, let's just be clear. Like, I'm right, like, let me be clear what kind of sponsor it is because you know, I don't want you to freak out. But having that difficult conversation 
is really hard for a lot of women. Um, and the other thing, so, so one I would say is finding male sponsors who will help you. And female sponsors are important. I, know, I don't mean to denigrate or devalue the importance of female sponsors, but like Zila said, if there's not that many at the top, it's really hard to find one who frankly has like the emotional bandwidth left, right? They've, they've clawed their way up and then you're asking them to reach down and pull you up with them. And it's kind of like, don't get me wrong, I get it. And when they do it, I'm like, that's so awesome. But people only have so much bandwidth. You know who has some energy left is the men that kind of sauntered up, right? They didn't have as much of a challenge. And so I'm kind of like, hey, hey, while you're up there, right? Like, and you have some bandwidth left, reach down and pull. And, and I will tell you, there are some incredible male sponsors out there, both in private sector and government. There are men that are leading entire organizations about allyship and sponsorship who are diving into this issue. And God bless them, because I think that's one of the biggest things that we're gonna need. And the second thing is super controversial, uh, but when I got into fighting, I saw the value of learning assertiveness and aggressiveness for women. It's the single biggest thing that you can teach for self-defense, not because they necessarily have to learn to fight to defend themselves, but before you even get to that, the techniques of assertiveness and aggressiveness of just how you carry yourself, how you make eye contact, all of these things can reduce the likelihood of being attacked just simply from body language. And I, I get yelled at by so many women who are like, it, it's not us, like gender discrimination has nothing to do with you. And I'm like, and I agree with you that we have a systemic problem, but we also can acquire the skills that help us, right? And I was, I was on a panel where one of the women said, well, people put in a job description gendered terms like assertiveness and aggression. And I was like, let me be clear, assertiveness and aggressiveness are not gendered qualities. You saying that they're male qualities is actually insulting to women because we can absolutely be assertive and aggressive. It's a skill that we need to have so that we can turn it on when we need it and we can turn it off when we don't. And so many women that I meet don't appreciate that. And I'm not telling everybody to go out and learn to fight. It's not the worst thing just in case like self-defense wise. But if you're a woman who can't advocate for herself, if you don't feel comfortable saying, I'm not being paid the same, I'm not being treated the same, all I'm asking for is equality. If you can't do that, if you lack the assertiveness and the aggressiveness to just know your value and advocate for it, how are we gonna win if we can't advocate for ourselves, let alone for everyone, right? And so those are probably like the two biggest things that, that kind of like I, I try, like, like, like it's, 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 a, it's a battle. Um, and I just didn't appreciate how badly it needed to be fought until I left the government. And now it's probably one of the things I'm most passionate about. Well, I will tell you, I think if you even mix those two pieces of advice, I've gone to male mentors and said, I know I need to have this difficult conversation. I don't know how to have it. How would you have it? And you talk to them, they will coach you. They're like, oh, I would just have this conversation. And this is how I would ask. And this is what I do. And it seems so obvious. It's not the way we've raised women to advocate for themselves. It's not the way we've raised them to communicate. It's not what's been reinforced through, you know, my years of education, but it doesn't mean you're not capable of doing it. <laughs> you're very much capable of pivoting and growing and adjusting. And I, you raised such a really good point because the other day, one of my coworkers, she made a really good point. She was like, I don't think the answer is to tell all women that we need to 
fix ourselves or improve. Like there's systemic bias. And I was like, you are not wrong at all. But you also have to recognize that women have been conditioned, especially in this country since birth, to not take up as much space, to not be as vocal. If you ignore all of the conditions, how much more we apologize than men, right? That we say sorry for everything. I'm not saying don't apologize when you need to. I'm saying be cognizant of when you've been conditioned to apologize when you don't have to. And if you look at that, and if you kind of look at it, it's basically like a level of self-awareness. If you look at yourself and you say, no, I have just the right amount of assertiveness and aggression. I've done everything right. And it's all systemic bias. Great. I'm certainly not perfect. I'm certainly never going to be the person to say there's no room for improvement. And I have a lot of friends who after assertiveness and aggressiveness training have said, there's some situations I wish I could redo. Mm -hmm. Not because it was the other person's fault, but because what you bring to the table without that, it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You're gonna lose. You didn't have the skills necessary. You didn't have the tools necessary. Like at least come in with the tools and the skills necessary. And then you'll know if it's apples to apples. Well, then it was systemic. And then it was just bias. But if you come in at a disadvantage because of how society's conditioned you, you didn't have a chance at the start. No, I hear you. This is amazing advice. I hope everyone is kind of taking this in, not only for the industry, but also for women who kind of want to break into this sector. There's lots of pearls of wisdom you just dropped here. But um, I keep trying to say the next Women in Crypto event will be like some kind of fight club. And my company's like, no, absolutely not. uh, I'm going to have to do a hard pass on that. I'll come, you know, post baby number two. I'm I'm down. My general counsel was like, we should talk. No, hard pass. (laughs) Um, but but we do do a lot of great events and and I love that like our women at chain analysis group is absolutely phenomenal and we get a lot of uh you know support for those things and and we're the women in crypto thing we're expanding and as soon as we can meet in real life we are going to do in-person events um and you know my goal my hope is someday to have it be kind of like an open global conference because we get women from all over the world who will sign on to these virtual events at four o'clock in the morning and the community is there. And so we just need to build it and foster it and kind of help it grow. And it's, it's a very, uh, it's a very exciting thing that I'm really excited to be a part of. Well, I'm really excited to see where it goes. So with that, I think we'll, we'll close out. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. This was such an interesting conversation. Amanda, no, thank I had you. a really good time. They were great questions. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.